his lap so <laughs> the truck anyway um so uh the, when we last left our friends <laughs> our or or me as it were um i promised you that i was gonna bring you a story about the truck hitting nothing yes so here it is we had a problem it was just before the just before we were filming and in fact, I, I have a feeling it might have been after we did the junkyard. Now, I remember we started this this uh, this night this uh, nightmare on Elm Street four. I was the production designer and production, and I had a lot going on on this show. I mean, because we built virtually everything, and and by this time, I was a I was a major creative um, on the scene, and. Uh, and we went into this whole mess with a 60-page outline that uh, was that we were calling a script uh, the same way that you call uh, your child running around the living room in a Fisher Price uh, car, uh, a <laughs> an automobile. <laughs> so um, we're we're just having to flesh it out left and right. And, and what the writers had done is they had uh, abandoned us um, in a in a time loop. And what I mean by that is th there is a there is a loop, uh, kind of a Groundhog's Day loop, I guess you could call it, uh, where um, Dan and Alice are running towards the truck, and then they get in the truck, they start down the road in the truck. And the next thing you know, they're running around the corner towards the truck, around the corner of the Crave Inn towards the truck. And then they get in the truck and then they start driving the truck and then they get back and then they come back around the corner, the Crave Inn, and they're stuck in a loop. And it's a, it's a nightmare because we had already had a meeting about it, about how, you know, what happens to get us out of this loop. Um, because the rest of the film from that point on was pretty not defined. Yeah. It was pretty just, you know, is yeah, it, you, you read along for 60 pages that got you into the time loop. And then it said, and then the end of the film, <laughs> 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 which can be so annoying, you know, if cameras are rolling. So we had had one meeting to try and decide what happens after the loop or, or, or just how to get out of the loop. And it, it was really, uh, it was interesting that a writer could put us into such a quandary uh, uh, because not only had the, the writer created a loop, but he, he had created a loop that a, an entire film production company couldn't get out of. <laughs> so now, so, so now we have another meeting. And I'm yeah. pretty sure that this was after the worst first week of filming, and everybody is at this meeting. I mean, we're, we're at Chesney, uh, Peter Chesney's office. We're at his conference table, and the 
to set the scene, you have Bob Shea, uh, Rachel Talley, Sarah Risser, uh, Rennie Harlan, uh, Peter Chesney, various effects people, um, coordinators, heads of a company, you know, like uh, Griff Ruggles, the, the head of the uh, transportation, and, and, and me, um, uh, and we're sitting at this table, and we're trying to decide – uh, we're we're trying to get ourselves out of the loop, yeah. right our way out as a group. Um, which uh, you know, you remember the thing about uh, that God talked about passing through the uh, uh, the uh, eye of a needle. Yeah. Uh, just this is this is like a a a group of uh, white Angelinos uh, trying to pass through the eye of a needle. <laughs> <laughs> Is us trying to get through this kind, trying to get out of this loop, and so, so I'm going to cut to two hours, two hours through the meeting, or you know, um, that that point to where you're not paying attention anymore, um, that you know, you've already had to like, get 18 people out of the way a couple of times so you could just take a piss. <laughs> um, I'm just sitting there and I'm I'm like, oh god. We're going over. Here's the point that we were at. Now our discussion came down to we had already figured that the that the truck was going to turn into an airliner. Yes. Um, In fact, you might recognize that as a concept that comes up in some of the later shows, right? But the the truck turned airliner, uh, and this is specifically what the argument is about. The argument that we're having is. Um, which one of the people in the cockpit or the stewardess coming in the door, which one of them is Freddie? And that's, and we're having arguments about it, right? <laughs> you know, it's, and it's like, it's like all reason is gone, right? That's just the, you know, not only are we, not only are we arguing pretend logic, we're pretending to argue pretend logic. <laughs> <laughs> so we're completely screwed. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and I'm sitting there and I literally remember putting my head in my hands and I said, oh my God, let's just hit nothing. <laughs> oh, yes. And, and there's a little PA, there's a, 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 and by little, I mean, you know, in his twenties, yeah. <laughs> over over to my right, that says this. He says, well, "What would it look like?" <laughs> and oh then it was God. just a conversation between me and him. And I'm, what would that look like? What would that look like? You know. And I started just talking out loud. I said, "You know what that would look like? It would, it would it would it would be like if you put a chain on your bumper and ran into your own bumper at seventy miles an hour, <laughs> and then." And then Peter Chesney starts to look at me and he goes, you know, I could do that. <laughs> and I went, yes. oh, shit, we need to run into nothing. Yes. <laughs> Let's run into nothing. And everybody looks at me and Peter goes, yeah, he's right. I could do that. <laughs> so explain We're going to run into nothing. And the thing is, is, so then they write the part in the script that they had. And the happiest that I was in in my life, because we did it exactly the way I thought. Oh, okay. now, literally, we, we, we tied a 
one-inch cable to that big bumper that we made really fast for the front of his truck. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, like literally we had shot the first part of the film already. And all of a sudden we threw this enormous bumper on the, on the front of his truck, Dan's truck. And in the long run, uh, and the greatest thing was that the stunt guys were like, well, yeah, we'll just drive the truck. You know, yeah. To, I said, it's 60 miles an hour to an absolute dead stop at the end of a cable. I said, I don't think you're going to do that because you know what? You'd have to put somebody out there 10 feet in front of the accident in order to catch your eyeballs. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, we, we eventually just took the motor out. And, and, and what you don't see is we have one cable pulling the truck. Mm-hmm. And then the other cable goes back and is and is is tied to uh, a D nine tractor, right? Oh my! Uh, big caterpillar. Okay. And here's here's the greatest thing about it. Uh, and 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 I have to say, when we did this gag, I mean, I was standing there with. I said, "Yeah, you just you just put this cable, and then and then we're just going to put an, a camera at the end of the cable." <laughs> and and we're gonna get that shot yeah and that's the shot and that's the shot that we got so the greatest thing was is is that what what you see now is the shot is so consuming that what you don't even notice is the cable itself then snapped and piled up against the back of the truck and you see it happen oh if you look at that that's what you see, but the shot is so absolutely convincing and weird, yeah. and 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 you know, uh, it's so captivating that it literally took me like 15 years before I saw the cable. Wow! You know, it's like wow because because that impact is so strong. Yes. And, and you know what? We we had no one. We had no idea what was going to happen. I mean, really, you know it. This was one of those ones that you describe. Yeah. I mean, nobody's done it before. Nobody had done it before at all at that point. <laughs> it, it's a gag that you actually see from time to time now. But at that point, nobody's ever done anything like that. My God. Uh, I just couldn't believe how amazing the shot was. But the the money was on the motorcycle in that. Yeah. Everybody was betting what was going to happen to the motorcycle. <laughs> and my bet was that my bet was the motorcycle was going to snap the um, snap the double re restraints, yeah, and 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 go right over the uh, hood and just keep on going. <laughs> and the thing is, is I don't think anybody figured out. I don't think anybody had money on what actually happened because if you look at if you look at it in – and here's the thing. All this stuff is stuff that you only see upon like seeing that the millionth time. Yeah. Because I'll bet you haven't seen the cable yet, right? And you just saw the film, right? Yes. You didn't see the cable. Well, fuck you? no. Okay. How about this one? Did you notice that the bike snaps both come-alongs on either side, does a flip in the air, and lands exactly back in the same position that it was – and I watched the bike flip, and I didn't notice it. Was it was amazing, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is incredible. It is, and I'm telling you, that just happened. I mean, it literally, nobody thought that was going to happen, and it just <laughs> did. Yeah. I mean, I mean, 
you you have to think yourself of everything that could have happened. That happened. That had to be the <laughs> most unlikely. <laughs> For sure. But uh, one thing I will say is that I met I met um, Rennie Harlan's uh, first AD like somewhere in the two thousands, two thousand seven or something, mm-hmm. um, and and he said that Rennie Harlan. Oh, uh, credit for that shot. Oh, okay. I was like, well, you cheap son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so said, why don't you just, why don't you just take uh, the blame for the shark if you did after Nightmare on Elm Street 4 and leave my gag alone? <laughs> <laughs> that way you get the blame instead of the credit. Yes. So anyway, that's, that's, that's the story of the trip. I watched it today and got some questions for you. Uh, yeah, I was curious about this. So, um, good. This is good. Why did Patricia not come back for four? Okay. Here's the thing that everybody doesn't understand today. Today, if you got – if you were Lynn Che, for instance, right? Mm-hmm. And you did a great horror film and they – made a sequel of it of course you would come back for it yes because because it's got status horror films have status <laughs> oops sorry about that um <laughs> the fact is that back then we didn't have status yeah. you you know how many times i've said this i said you, you know we were right we were just above porn and right underneath lawyers as far as <laughs> As far as uh, status in Hollywood at that time. Yeah. Right? So you did a great job on a horror film, so you didn't have to do the next horror film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, – when pe- when people ask me that, I say at the time – at the time, it w- would have been weird for her to go and do the uh, – the sequel because she was actually be- becoming a, a, a thing in it, she had she had uh, parlayed the stardom in Nightmare on Elm Street three to get out of Nightmare on Elm Street three. You know the better thing to ask yourself is why didn't Johnny Depp come back for Nightmare on Elm Street two? Yeah, that is nobody a- says that. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a reason that he didn't. It's because you don't do the horror film again if you can avoid. It. Yeah. So anyway, there you go. Uh, is the it, is Kincaid in the bedroom scene? Uh, is that a real fall? That's a fall. Yes. Okay. Absolutely, it's a fall. Uh, you, you know what's the strange thing that I think about to this day, and 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 it's dangerous, but at the same time, uh, we should have totally done it. Uh, that people don't fall, and and this is this has to do with the 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 way that statistics uh, or the, the, mm, not statistics, uh, the way that physics works. Yes, that you don't fall straight down, you fall kind of in a slight perla. You fall away from things. Yeah. In other words, if if you jumped off of a building, right? Mm-hmm. You could try your best. To jump right down the face of a building, mm-hmm. and it just isn't going to happen. You're going to move further away as time goes on, and it has to do with the buildup of pressure between you and the thing that's next to you. 
you know, yes. uh, you, you're immediately moving away from each other. And uh, that's the one thing that really bothers me about that shot is that we should have just slight, just slightly tilted that wall so that he didn't gain as much altitude as he did. Uh, because it does look, it does start to look like a fall. Yeah. Um, whereas I wanted to look like a jerk and, uh, and these days you would be as likely to do a jerk and, and fix it, fix it up with, uh, cable removal. Yeah. Uh, but we didn't have that. (laughs) We didn't have cable removal back then. (laughs) So, so we made it as a fall. Uh, the waterbed scene. Talk about that. Ah, the waterbed scene. Yeah, the waterbed scene was uh, that, that that was a nightmare. You, you know, really, really funny funny thing is, is I've talked to uh, Rodney Eastman, um, who who was being drowned in there, and uh, and he said that compared to all the crap that he went through in Nightmare on the Street uh, three, yeah. That uh, and I know because I was the one that put him through it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about it, and, and he says this in my book. He says the thing is, is Nightmare on Elm Street four. Uh, the the sequence of him drowning, although it looked so much more dramatic than anything that really happened to him, Nightmare on Elm Street three. Uh, that it was a cakewalk compared to all the crap that we put him through in three. Oh, okay. Uh, because, you know, we had him like suspended up in the air. Uh, we lit a fire underneath him and suspended him on a set and then everybody ran away. Uh, uh, he had to, uh, sit, uh, for 16 hours while they did a stop motion, uh, thing, uh, on his chest. Uh, uh, we just really put him through hell on, on, on three. There's no doubt. He said on four, uh, it was a cakewalk. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, the daydreaming concept uh, was that created to show her being the dream master. Yes. Okay. That was to show her getting control of it. Uh, uh, you see, at that point, the dreams at the beginning of that, the dreams are just happening to her. Yeah. And then she's starting to get control of it. This film, it's it's uh, it's there's a lot of like it's hard to tell which is dream and which is reality. And it fades so fluently in and out that you just really just watch this and you're just like, is this real? Is this not real? What's going on? Well, right. What the the thing the thing that's cool about this this uh, film as opposed to the others, it has less to do with the kills specifically than it does the transitions in getting from reality to a dream yes because because it's the transitions that we really dug in on it's the transitions that we got that we really uh you know and part of it is because we created the transitions we had like this really uh and then so-and-so dies and then so-and-so dies and then so-and-so dies that was the script (laughs) oh okay we had to fill the crew had to fill everything else in, in, in the middle. So we had just some great stuff. I mean, uh, we had sequences that, that just never even got onto the film or uh, that never got into the film that were just huge gags that took days to do. The karate and, scene and, specifically, correct? Well, I was going to say the karate scene, although obviously that did 
did, but there was a scene. <laughs> there was a scene that. Uh, okay, let's put it this way. One day I'm sitting at my desk, right? Okay. And uh, and uh, editor walks in, and and he goes, you know that scene that you really uh, the the um the the Alice Alice or no the uh, Tuesday night getting into the dream yeah sequence. Uh, he says, here it is. And he sat down a roll of film on my desk and walked away. <laughs> he says, it, it didn't work. We had to kill her off early. What? And here's what the scene was. It's in my book. This is in my book. Uh, 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 but we had a scene where she's asleep. She's taking the sleeping pills. She, she goes, oh, you've killed me. Right? Yeah. You remember that, right? Yeah. Her. She, She's arguing with her mother and she goes upstairs. Hello? Yeah. Okay. She's arguing with her mother. She goes upstairs and she falls. Yes. Okay. And she winds up coming into the interior of the house uh, and, and it's upside down and she's on the ceiling. Yes. Okay. That's not how it was written. <laughs> Here's how it was written. This is this is what we actually did. We filmed this sequence. In one shot, she wakes, she goes downstairs. Okay. She walks out in front of her, her she walks in front of her house. And now we're in a single shot where we see her come out on front of her porch and the camera come moves up. It moves up over her head. She hears a noise. She turns around and looks back at what should be her house because she's standing in the front porch, right? Yes. But the camera slams down on the ground and looks up, and it's the Elm Street house. Oh, my. And what, And the way that we, we literally had – we had – remember, we made a facade for Nightmare on Elm Street 4 of the, of the Elm Street house. Yes. But, but then we put the – facade of her house in front of it ah. on the set suspended by a crane and when she walks her house we pull the two pieces apart when the camera goes up we pull the two pieces apart with one swinging on one crane one swinging on the other and and when i say crane i mean fucking cranes you know <laughs> Full crane. and the two of them are pulled away and the camera slams down, and now she's in front of the Elm Street house, and the door starts to open, ah. right? So she turns, and she runs, and the camera's in front of her, and it's still the same shot. Camera's in front of her, and she runs and runs and runs and runs, and she runs into a hallway, a Nightmare on Elm Street hallway, as the door slams down. We put another. We put an Elm Street hallway in the. It literally crossed street with a guillotine-style door that dropped down once she into that. Jesus! And it was all in one shot. Wow, that's crazy. I put a description of this in my book, and and of course I wrote it better than I just said it right. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but but they decided to kill her off early. Mm -hmm. They decided to get her into the dream by coming upside down and and it was out all that work it took one in 
entire day to film just that one shot. Oh, shit. The <laughs> entire day. <laughs> wow. And then just for it to not be used. Right. You just kiss it off and blow it over your shoulder. So where's the beach at? Where's the <laughs> Where's the what? Where's the beach at? Where's the beach at? The beach was uh, in a lake uh, down uh, south. Uh, it was right next to the 405 freeway. And uh, Kaiser Hospital is now right straight across the street from where the beach was at. Okay. Uh, it was it was a small it was a small marsh lake, you know, uh, down uh, marsh lake in the South Bay. It was very convincing to be tropical. <laughs> it was hard. Yeah, to- you know what's you know what's really funny is that it's also very convincing that you're down at the beach and you're not. I mean, you're not at all. You're at a lake, and and you have to remember it this way: is of course you're not at a beach because the waves had to be super calm in order for the. Uh, the claw in the water to make such an easy transition uh, onto the sand. Yes. But also I might, I might add this, that the claw in the water, we didn't end up filming very much of uh, that sequence there because Tuesday night was having problems doing the stunt part of it. um, Probably because she's not a stunt person. And so we literally had, Huge piles of sand sent to uh, uh, Peter Chesney's shot where he then tried to do that while we uh, tried to finish up that sequence while we were in location. But it never got finished there either. And we went into, ended up sending tons of sand and finishing the sequence in the uh, parking lot of the stage up in Valencia. Okay. So, I so have- we fi- it's filmed everywhere. Yeah. I have one big gripe with the film, uh, the matching luggage thing. What? The matching, <laughs> the matching luggage joke that's told several times throughout the film. Oh, look, we have matching luggage. Oh, yeah. I don't know whose idea that the bags under the eyes thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, it, it, is, it is pretty well. It, it's pretty awful. But considering, considering that everybody was pretty much uh <laughs> working off of an outline you know yeah uh you know you know that thing that uh that andres does uh when he sits up out of the coffin that whole sequence uh the whole coffin sequence literally was written by uh by him uh just just literally on, on the spot hey baby <laughs> So I have a another question. Uh, the special effects meeting with uh, Kevin Benson. Oh yes, yes. You want to talk about that? Okay. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> here's the thing. I'm going to let this lead into uh, 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 the sequence of of working with, uh, Roger George, but uh, uh, with not Roger George. Uh, Mad George. Haha, <laughs> two different Georges. Whew. Uh, so, uh, Kevin Benson, I saw Kevin Benson a few years ago, and, and he described uh, he used to, uh, he was our promotions and music manager. Uh, he had a lot to do. He was the guy who brought to uh, all of New Line Cinema's films, he started to bring in actual musical acts. 
you know, uh-huh. not do like the, the generic rock or, or that kind of stuff, which is really common up to that point. Yeah. He, he was the one that brought in Dawkins ah. uh, and all those, those acts, you know, he's that guy. And, uh, and he's a music guy and movie guy and promotions guy. And so he is absolutely insane. I mean, <laughs> absolutely insane. And so he's talking to me about, you know, about, oh, it was about four years ago, five years ago. And he goes, he goes, yeah, he says, yeah, the, uh, I, I used to sit in those uh, effects meetings uh, that you were in. Uh, I, I, I just sit there with, with like pop and just, and just, just smile because music didn't have to be in it, but it was just fun as hell to watch. <laughs> I go, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, you were the production designer and you were also kind of like the elite <laughs> effects designer too. Yeah. Cause you dabbled in everything, but you were the production designer and you were kind of the final word. And so, uh, so the thing is, is you would have uh, 40 people, you had a, a, these effects beings that go on for three days and you would have 40 people sitting and they're all the different effects people that could do a given job and and, and we're, and we're going to dole them out. And, and it's like who it's like who has the best idea. Right. Yeah. And you had like all these great up and, new up and comers. Right. Yes. And and he says, yeah. And, and they go around the table and take an hour to make it around the table on like one gag and it get to the last person and you. You'd be the last person, and you'd look like you weren't even paying attention. <laughs> and uh, and he says, and all of a sudden you'd stand up. And I remember doing this, and I thought, wow, was I dick or what? But <laughs> you'd stand up, and you'd go, he'd go, yeah, this has all been fun, but this is how we're actually going to do this. Yeah. And then you'd go down the line, and you'd shoot everybody down. It'd take you about 15 minutes. And you'd say, well, we can't do that because then it doesn't tie to that. And 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 Bob, we can't do yours. And Phil, no way. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, and, and this is what we're going to do. And, and he said, and no, and you set it up that, so nobody could argue with you. Yeah. <laughs> he said, because nobody else thought of like discrediting everybody <laughs> when they came up with an idea. And the thing is, is by the time you got done ranting with the whole thing, all we wanted was was an absolute solution and then you'd give them the solution <laughs> yeah <laughs> and you and you just sign it and say well you'd be the best for that and then yeah. that's it and you did it time and time again i thought wow man <laughs> oh well <laughs> kind of sounds like me to tell you the truth <laughs> so anyway yes so at the end of these meetings uh screaming mad george yes. uh was the one that was going to do the uh, cockroach gag. Now, everybody had problems with communicating with Screaming Mad George because, uh, you know, if, if he didn't really want to talk to you, he'd start he'd start uh, speaking Japanese. Oh, my God. And, <laughs> oh, he was. And the thing is, is this, is, and I have to tell you, genius. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. And, and at the same time, he was the hardest human being to work with you've ever seen in your life because he he would go like like you go down to his uh his shop and and you know there'd be a pile of arms over here Jesus. you know and then go down and find out how the thing's going um how, how that gag's going and how it's going to relate to the uh, uh to the storyboards and stuff and he and you'd get to his shop and he would um 
there'd be a pile of arms and you say, and then this arm goes here. Then there'd be like a torso over here in the corner and it, it attaches <laughs> uh, like to this. And then there's a wing here and there's a, a leg over there. And, and then that's going to be puppeted and come up through this. So there's silk and there's this and that. And, and, and you would just like go, okay. And then you go back to the, uh, to the producer and they said, well, how's it going to come out? <laughs> I have no fucking idea. I have, to tell you. <laughs> I have no, I don't know what he was talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, the man doesn't know how to use props. <laughs> I oh just my. like, <laughs> and this literally was the way that everybody was, you know, when he started the sequence, you know, you were yeah. like, uh, okay, you know, and, uh, and, 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 and it's amazing that we were able to give him, give him part of what he needed on the sets mm-hmm. because he was so hard to understand. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I have two stories about that sequence that are okay. First one is about the goo. Okay. Okay. The, the goo that the orange goo, that's supposed to be the, uh, the sticky stuff on the bottom of the, uh, uh, of the uh roach motel okay um that's that's what's called ultra slime and ultra slime is this incredibly stringy stuff that literally they you know when you buy like a little quart of it uh they say that you in order to get it out you you need scissors yeah so if you've ever heard of anything that in order to get it out of a can (laughs) you use scissors that's ultra slime Okay. <laughs> because it just keeps going on and on and on and on. Stretch and, and like the cap will be over here in your right hand. It'll be six feet away from the container itself. And like the whole container will be strung out between the one and the other. And you have to like cut it with scissors, right? Okay. Yeah. So with that in mind, we bought 50 gallons of this. And I cannot even tell you the godforsaken amount of money that we paid for that because oh it my. was probably about at that t- even at that time in the eighties it was probably about fifty bucks a gallon. Yeah. So uh, you can imagine that you know we had a lot of money invested in this fifty gallon. Oh yeah. Okay, and so it gets in the day before we need to shoot it, right? Okay. But the problem is, is it's clear. And I need to have it that color, that orangish color that's at the bottom of those traps, right? Yes. So, <laughs> so I set up a guy, uh, uh, one of my carpenters. Uh, I put him in a room. It's it's like two o'clock in the morning, you know, uh, which seemed to be the only time that I could get anything done. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so I mix it. I mix it up, and and he's in a room. That's that faces the stage. That's just right around the corner from my office. If you went into the building, then my office is a couple of uh, doors down, right? Yes. And, I, and so I give, and literally, he's got the open barrel in front of him. He's I put a bunch of dye on it. He's got like a drywall mixer on the end of like a huge drill, right? Yeah. And um, and I and the drill motor kind of goes on and on and on once you get it running because it's geared down uh because this is gonna i because i knew this was really gonna take some power to mix and so uh and it's got maybe a four foot long uh paddle on it right yes and so as i leave the room this is what i see 
He's just putting the paddle in. The die is floating on the surface. He hasn't hit the button or anything. And I and I go into my office. I just get set up down on the on my desk or yeah at my chair. Um, I got the pencil out. I'm starting to make a line on like something, and all of a sudden I just hear screaming coming from oh no around the. And I and I go, oh my god! And so I I jump up, I run down, I come around the corner, and this is what I see. The gel is wrapped around him, the drill, and it's all the way up underneath his neck, like trying to get into his mouth. Uh, because the uh, kinetic energy, and of course, if you think about it. <laughs> it the 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 main thing that a method that that a, 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 a ultra slime does is eliminates the surface tension of their product, right? Yes. And because it doesn't have any surface tension, it just kind of hangs together with itself, right? Mm -hmm. And so, as you apply energy to it, and it's a whip that has a, the drill on it, and that sends that entire fifty gallons immediately up the rod over the drill and over to the guy and over the guy that's holding it. So <laughs> he has all 55 gallons yeah. <laughs> in between, in between the container and basically his chest. <laughs> <laughs> and he is freaking out. Yeah. <laughs> so, so now I had to like convince him to stand still so that we could scrape this 25, Five thousand dollars worth of stuff back into the container, <laughs> using things like spoons and uh, you know paddles from um, Bondo, and say anything that we could find to get him scraped out of that. Uh, and and then we mixed it in little batches, and I don't think that we were done with it until we started filming it at like uh, ten the the next morning. Yeah, <laughs> he he was upset with me for a long, long time. But one one other thing that I wanted to point out is that we had no time, so everything had to be utterly. Um, I it, the fewer opticals, the better. So as much stuff as we did was done practical, and it was done in you know even if it was any kind of effects thing, it was done in camera. So we and and this is so. We filmed the parts where Fred, uh, where Freddie is, is look, his eyes looking inside of the box, right? Yes. We filmed that at the set that we started out with the broken arms, right? Okay. And and we then and the part where he crushes the box, and we took that stuff and we filmed it there, and then we rear projected it. You know the mouth of the box, the the big box that obviously she's in and doing the final conversion to a cockroach. The big <laughs> box we pulled we pulled a, a scrim over the opening of it and we projected Freddie's eye looking into it, and so you know it was really great because the projector had a timing mechanism that, that was like literally it was like it slowed the motor down to, to the film, right? Yes. And so, so you would get the your, your camera. You would roll the camera, and then and then he would have the the uh, 
the uh, the speed control, and 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 I get to see, I got to see him do it because I wanted to see it so bad. Then he takes and he just the speed control, and as he do, does, you see it grow from a, a little slip to then seeing the whole image, including the eye, in real time, ah. right in front. And then she acts related to the eye looking in, and she's the the cockroach, and then the cockroach is just a puppet, and the eye is looking at it, mm-hmm. and that's in real time. So that once they developed the film, it was complete. Ah, I see. So, so that's that's my uh, let's see, that's the me- the meetings. Uh, I went through screaming mad George. Uh, I I drowned one of my assistants in in ultra slime. Uh, I, uh, explained, uh, you know, using, um, by the eye optical effects. Yes. It's just been a good story all the way around. It has. Uh, and that brings us to the end of this week's show. It does, doesn't it? It does. How long have we been? Uh, 40 minutes now. Oh my God. I've been talking for 40 minutes. This is a nightmare on mixed street. (laughs) <laughs> yeah it is <laughs> and you know what i i swear we 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 have still only gotten through uh like uh, the smallest fraction of all the stories that's why uh, i made that, an intro for freddy episodes there you go that's, 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 we gotta, we're gonna have to keep using that man yes we'll we'll, we'll take a break from Red, freddy for a couple of weeks yeah we but should then talk we'll about back your other we'll projects uh because i like yeah. to roast you on texas chainsaw at some point there you go. I mean, we got to have time for that. Yes, for sure. <laughs> okay, man. Um, yeah. So uh, good time had by all. Yes, for sure. But before we go, let's uh, shield the network. Yeah. Just a friendly reminder that the Rabbit Hole Podcast is part of the Do Back Discussion Podcast Network, featuring other great podcasts such as the Gormore, Do Back Discussion, Hall of Heroes, Rabbit Rabbit Hole that you're listening to, Wicked Wednesday's yeah, Dream Warrior Review, and The Jerk the Curtain podcast all of which can be found on apple itunes google play spotify and dobackdiscussion.net your source for everything pop culture and more and also be sure to visit our t public store to pick up your awesome rabbit hole t-shirt exactly and hit that subscribe button yes we are growing by the day with every episode we are just overwhelmed by the sheer amounts of support thank you guys thank you for listening yeah, thank every. I, I want to thank everybody for, uh, uh, you know, uh, li- listening to a to an old man tell stories about his misspent youth. <laughs> for sure. Well, uh, that's it for this episode of the Rabbit Hole Podcast. This is your host with the most, TJ Bowser, signing off. See you guys. Bye.